Welcome back to Wake and Cake. This is Lauren Jamison, aka Kosher Barbie. And this week I am zooming in or sitting down with a comedian who is very well known in the business. He's a San Diego guy, just like me. Well, girl, um, you've seen him on Comedy Central, Letterman Kimmel, Craig Ferguson. He's like the late night guy, y'all. I have heard him described as having fierce wit with biting intelligence. We're going to talk more about that. Please welcome Andrew Norelli. Hey, buddy. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Thanks for that totally um, uncomfortable but flattering introduction. <laughs> um, fierce wit. Okay. That's a good thing to be fierce, right? I hear that. I hear that on the streets. The description yeah. makes me want to call you like the vampire of comedy. It sounds like something that was written by either, you know, a manager at some point, or <laughs> I want to <laughs> assure everybody that I did not write that. Um, maybe some newspaper clipping or something. I was drawn um, to it. I, I had to highlight it because I loved, uh, I loved the the description. Okay. And it made me think, yeah, fierce wit, biting intelligence. I um, guess it's better than having like a like a a, a scared wit a frightened wit and um, a, you know, something. Something. That yeah. shows me how witty I am. I cannot well, even describe how other people describe my wit. That's how unwitty I am. Well, uh, I'm a witness. I've, I've been, had a front row seat to a lot of your wit and I miss it terribly. Do you know that, I don't know if you've Googled yourself recently, but you're slated as a musical artist. And so I'm thinking, like right? Okay. I don't know who came up with that. I mean, I know all of your albums are all over all the you know music streaming well, platforms. Right. Well, uh, maybe maybe you don't know that I maybe I sing opera and you don't know. Oh my God! I would love that. I would love to get a glimpse of that. That would be incredible. Um, I play I play a little drums, but um, it's hard to do that when you do comedy. <laughs> That's becoming a thing though, musical comedy. I'm sure it's been around for a while, but I've, I've been seeing it more, you know, because you have to always be differentiating yourself. And right. it's like, shit, now I gotta learn an instrument. I got a guitar over here collecting dust since my birthday last March, in, but in this my, little in, thing. In time. Did, you just, did you just set me up to know that it's your birthday this month? Did you just... Uh... Do you just pepper this conversation with your birthday so that now I have all this pressure on me to, mm -hmm. you know, get you a Starbucks gift card? I don't do Starbucks, dude. Come okay. On. Now, now you're, you're already hard to shop for then. Yeah. So what do, what do you want people to get you on your birthday? Are you a difficult birthday gift person or Nothing. easy one? I don't know. I'm weird about receiving gifts. I love to give them, okay. but I'm not the most... I'm kind of an awkward receiver. I got it. Yeah. Um, you are not doing this right. I mean, if your birthday is this month, it is officially this month. Yes, and okay. I'll never forget it because it was the same weekend that this little thing called COVID nineteen sort of right off. Did you just say that you'll never forget your birthday? Well, I mean, I definitely won't after last okay. year's. All right. Yeah. Typically, it's a good it's a good thing to remember. Yeah, um, I, I, I guess. Um, most, I most, of that's, most of that's on auto memory, your birthday. I do have it on my calendar. You know, it's tonight. on your calendar. Okay. You have an alert. You have an alert on your phone that tells you when your birthday is every year. 
Yep. And it apparently is the same day as daylight savings this year. So it's okay. memorable for everyone. 21st or something or? Nope. Okay. That's the first day of spring. Never mind. I don't know. I'll give you a hint. Okay. Sometime between now and St. Patty's Day. Got it. All right. Well, happy early birthday. Well, um, we should recap how we met. We met at the show that you produce at the um, the Veterans. It's not the Veterans Hall. What is it called? The American Legion. The American Legion, which is a cool place in downtown Encinitas. And you were running that show. You weren't running it at the time we met. Um, if you had been running it at the time, you probably would have said, I, I'm, I'm too busy. I'm producing this show. I don't have time to say hello. <laughs> just, just, stand, just stand in the back and I'll get to you later. I'll talk to you later. Um, I, no, I'm a Southern woman. I, I, I would find time for everything to give everyone the time they deserved. And you were one of those people who is, yeah. It was, it was a fun night. Yeah, I met you. It was a really crowded show. You had a great set. Um, and we sort of said hi for a few minutes and then you were running the show and I think I dropped by and kind of checked it out and watched the show and stuff because I lived nearby. Um, and that's, uh, that was the first show that we sort of, we didn't really do that show together. That was the first show we kind of shared. And then we did a great show together at the Cardiff Seaside Spiritual Center, which is now... Now, me and you, that's our next mission, is to do another show at that same place for the First Step House, which a lot of people don't know what that means. That's a recovery house for people that get out of, of um, pe people are not, are they detoxing at that? I'm actually not sure. Are they so, detoxing or are they, have they already detoxed? There's a very specific verbiage that has to be articulated when it comes to that, uh, especially okay. when recruiting volunteers. It is not to be called a detox. It is meant to be called, and here's, it's a lengthy one, a 10-day introduction to sobriety and AA. Got so it. So whoever's coming in has to be screened, and whoever I'm going to be screening is definitely probably going to be on some substances, uh, but we have to get to the nitty-gritty and define if they are the right kind of candidate. It's like a job interview. Wow. Even though, even though you might be on drugs, it's, it's interesting. I do have a bit of a challenge with some things because you even have to surrender your antidepressants there, which I'm saying you said this is not a medical facility, right? Um, I am curious as to know, like, you know how dangerous it can be if you just cold turkey take somebody off their antidepressants. You have to taper. That has to be, you know, under surveillance from a medical professional. And then I was told, well, then they can't stay here. Wow. So okay. I was like, cutthroat, man. Um, so this yeah, is well, going to be interesting, a practice for me, um, my volunteering at the First Step House, because this is a new one for women. The men's has been around for, for many years, but this new house for women is in Vista, which is also considered North County. And they, um, yeah, I'll be starting my volunteering there in April. So this is this is going to be tough for me. I've always lived in a very much yes world. And if somebody needs help, like it's going to be hard for me to say no. Right. Well, it's important work though. I visited the sober house in Carlsbad. It's a great place. It's a great facility. It needs funds, of course, because that's how it operates by supporting these people that are in this phase that you just talked about, this very fragile, very important phase. And these people need, you know, a fully functioning home, of course. 
mm-hmm. to get them started on their path to to sobriety. Um, and so anyway, that's what the show we did was for last year, and it's been delayed in 2021, but that's okay. I'm assuming, what do you think? Do you think we'll be able to do a show with no restrictions by the summer or fall? Well, nobody's worried about being indoor and nobody's wearing a mask. Definitely not up in Northern California, I doubt it, but SoCal's a little more lax. Um, I was thinking we needed a backup plan. We'd just go up, scoot to, up to Orange County and everybody'd be fine there. <laughs> uh, I love the venue. I'm hoping so. I would love a repeat of that. Um, I feel fall, I can confidently say, fall sounds feasible. Um, I don't know. I mean, didn't, there was just a headline that was released today that seems, I don't, I guess I could believe it that everyone's going to be vaccinated by May. What are your thoughts yeah, on that? I, I noticed that too. I noticed that in the news and, and hopefully that will be the case. And then I'm sure we can, uh, not that our show is the most, most important thing in the world. People's yes, health is. is, but we do want to do the show. It is for an important cause. Yes. And, um, uh, you had a great set last year. You knocked it out of the park. Buddy. Um, and that venue is so great. Don't you love, if people have not been to the Seaside Spiritual Center in Cardiff, it is a, I guess we can call it a new age church. Is that what you would call it? It's sort of a new age church, a, a non-denominational church. And yes. those, those aren't always great comedy venues, but this one, the design is so good. The acoustics are right. The mm-hmm. way the sound bounces just works. Mm-hmm. And the stage is kind of weird, right? Because the stage is very deep and it has like plants. You're performing with like giant <laughs> plants behind you, but it doesn't look or feel weird. It actually feels very doable. And well, um, I love when that happens because there's always a problem with a venue, right? There's always a venue where like the ceilings are like a mile high <laughs> or the, the seats are like a hundred yards away from you or something, or, you know, it's, you're in a weird warehouse and the sound doesn't bounce right. It's very echoey. Mm. So when you find something that works, man, you just want to hang on to it. Yeah, um, for sure. That's and a hot I, spot. It's great. Um, I feel like and, I'm and it was the right size too, right? Mm-hmm. because it was full and yet and yet it was like there was just enough seats I think some people had to sit on the floor in the back but most people had a seat right um, anyway I can't wait for us to do that again that this year so and recovery people are my favorite audience because they've experienced every emotion they've experienced every single thing that can happen to you in life mm-hmm. and they have that thing where they're kind of hardened but they're also grateful and that's sort of an ideal comedy audience, right? It's an audience that they, everything you say, they either understand the emotional highs and lows of what you're saying, mm-hmm. or they've experienced it, or even if they haven't, they're kind of emotionally intelligent and they know that humans experience a wide range of things that can be weird or strange or dark or absurd. Yeah. That's why I love those audiences. Yeah. Laugh at it because that they're, What's that? Because that is healing. They can laugh right, at it. Right, exactly. And it's also that interesting thing where they are obviously sober when they're at the show. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, a lot of people think, well, that makes it harder for people to laugh. I mean, sometimes, but not if they're in the right frame of mind. If they're there and they're totally bought in, you know, I love when you do, you're doing a comedy show where the audience is, is bought in ahead of time. 
you know, they don't have to be convinced like, no, we promise this will be good. This will be funny. <laughs> they're just, they're there and they're like, I'm really happy to be here. I think this is going to be a great show. And you sort of have to push them away. Mm-hmm. You sort of have to like change their mind against you to have a bad set. Yes, we want them to relate and agree with their laughter. That is the goal. Some are friends. That's also a thing. I don't often perform for friends. It's I prefer strangers. And honestly, I've given up on my sure. friends because I've been at comedy for a few years now and I'm tired of asking. Or it's that situation if I post a flyer, you know, because that's the name of the game, putting it up on the platforms. And I'll get a text or a DM or something saying, I just saw your flyer. Um, where's your next show? What time's it at? And I'm thinking, really? Did you just tell me you saw the flyer? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty sure I put the who, what, when, where, how, and why yeah. all in there. I've done this a few times now. You know what? I, Don't come to the show. Don't. I completely, completely hear you. Like after doing comedy for so long, there are sort of those two types of friends, right? Or, or fans or whatever. The kind that they will be there. You, do, you don't have to tell them anything. They don't ask you anything. They're just there. They just, they don't, they don't care if you're doing jokes they saw you do last time. They're like, you, they're like, where's the show, Santee? Okay, I'll make it. Sure, I'll figure it out. And then there's the friends that even though they're your good friends and they love you, they either just don't make it or they do what you said, where they have so many questions. Well, what time do you go on? And it's like, well, the show's at seven. Well, what time do you go on? Well, <laughs> don't worry about when I go on. The show's at seven, so you have to be there at 6.45 or whatever. Well where, well, where do I park? There's a big parking lot. Well, what time should I get there? Well, you should be there at 6.45, so get there whenever, you, whenever that is for you. Plan accordingly. Right, I mean, my right. God, it's like a dinner well, reservation, but do the same thing. You know? Right. It's like, have you never gone to an event? I don't know why I have to walk you through this. Well, can you save me a seat? Well, it's a, it's a venue of 200. All the seats are fine. It's not a football stadium. You're going to be fine. So can you, can you, can you put my name on the list? There is no list. You don't, there doesn't need to be just, just come in buy a ticket <laughs> and come in. Can you, can you guest list me and nine people? No, I can't because the venue has to make money because we're doing it for a fundraiser to give money to the first step house. So, so I can't. Yeah. What is up with that? That just makes me want to puke. That happened to me a few times as I was breaking away from real estate and I've have realtor friends show up to my shows. They all came out to the comedy store when I first got the opportunity to perform in La Jolla. And I had people ask me the same thing. Um, Can you put me like, get me comp tickets? And I said, they're $12. Uh, are you kidding? Uh, you you just make $360,000 a year. Yeah. You drove here in a Tesla. You can handle Asshole. a $12 ticket. Wonder why I'm not in the business. You know who stand up about this? People in recovery. Yeah. You can meet someone in recovery that day, shake hands if we're, whenever we get to do that again. And you tell them that, you know, you're a comedian. Great. When's your next show? It's tonight. I'm going to be there. And they are there. It's, it's amazing. You're I've right. never experienced it in my life until I got sober. People actually do what they say they're going to do it's and amazing. they don't flake. Yeah. Oh, smokes. I, my, my faith in humanity is restored. It's, it's incredible. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not in recovery, but after doing many of these shows over the years, I know the culture and um, I love how supportive these people are. It's just incredible. And uh 
you know, I've done some shows at different venues for um, NA or AA or anything like that. And I do them every chance I get just every, I will go anywhere to do these shows. They're, mm. they're just because of what you said, the, the vibe in there is just phenomenal. Gratitude. Um, Thankful. Yeah. They're, they're very, they're very grateful. And um, a lot of times it's weird in comedy because the audiences, again, there's, they sort of like are challenging you to make them laugh, which you can do, which you can do, but it's so much more fun when they're, when they're on board first and you have to push them away. You have to like change their mind against you. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway, last year was great. And we had that woman in the front row who I think you had heard about. I had never heard about her. Yes. She's Dr. a famous Pat. relationship therapist or something, right? Yes. Dr. And Pat. She was, she was, she is up there. She's like in her eighties now, but she is a, a love and relationship guru. She's uh, a love and relationship guru. And that was another thing that worked about that show is sometimes you have somebody in the audience that the comedians like riffing with and they like talking to. And sometimes that person becomes a nightmare, right? Because they start taking over the show or thinking that they can go off on like a paragraph about when you ask them a question. And she was perfect. Because if I remember, she sort of was a dream come true for a comic. We would ask her something and she would give like a short answer. You know, yep. we would say like, where do you live? And she would just say where she lived. And then we could make a joke about it. You know, we would say, are you married? You're a relationship expert, are you married? And she would tell us yes or no. I remember her saying like a couple of funny things, but they were brief. She Even was like a, a dream come true for, um, you know, a, an improvisational set. Maybe she couldn't hear us and she was just doing the smile and nod, you know? She like may have been, and that's okay <laughs> too. And that, look, that's, as long as you just let the comedians do their thing, that's all we want, you know? Cause you don't have a microphone anyway. So if, if you give a rambly long answer, no one can hear you anyway. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't do any good. Or if you talk, you know, when the comedian doesn't ask you a question, like, you know, those audience members that you riff with them a little bit and then they just start shouting out and they're like, well, the comedian was talking to me. And it's like, yes, but you have to wait for them to talk to you again. That's how this whole arrangement works. Right. Like, don't bogart it. Right. There's one microphone. Only one person can talk. So that's when you'll know you can or can't talk. That's, that's not a crazy concept. No, but people aren't going to respond to that unless you slate the rules before of like etiquette for the comedians other than no heckling. Like it's, it's just, it's going to fall on deaf ears. Right. It's so awful now because we're outdoors. I don't know if you've been doing any outdoor shows and we're so spread out. And if somebody does chime in, you can't hear them because you're outside at a brewery, which is like all this vast right. property and people don't want to be near each other. And, and then the echo of being outside. And it's just such, I mean, I've experienced Zoom comedy, still doing that. I got to say, mm -hmm. if you want to do an open mic amongst a like, group of peers that you trust, and it's almost like a writing session, um, you can go in and out in an hour. Everybody, like I did one last night. I've been, I'm doing this one every uh -huh. Five minutes, each person, hour and done. Didn't have to drive anywhere. Didn't have to wait in line. Didn't have to go through some raffle of, are they going to pick me tonight? Because I emailed between the hours of noon and four. Like, and then I'll find out after I posted their, you know, ad on Instagram on my own page to promote them just to not get picked. It's like, this is so efficient. Yeah. And not, I don't like it for shows, but I've leaned in mm -hmm. and I'm sure glad that I did. 
because I would have been, yeah, having some regrets if I didn't. Um, but yeah. I got to say for mics, yeah, saves my gas tank. I can do it in my house mm -hmm. and then I can go to bed after. It's, yeah, it's beautiful. The efficiency is beautiful. I know. It's amazing. It's, it's, it's incredible. That's another one where when the audience is bought in on these Zoom shows, they do work. But the audience has to really, really be like, nope, we are here, we are ready, and we're looking forward to this. And if, as long as you are good, we will laugh. And it, it is funny how it can work. You know, there can be some magic in this weird little format of comedy where it's like, you can't move, you can't, you know, you can't use your body much, and you can't use any like energy or momentum, things that happen a lot in a live show, those are all gone, mm. but it can still, totally be a rewarding experience everybody. Yes. Um, I wanted to ask you, or wanted to say another thing about these recovery crowds that I like. I like that they, um, they are very open-minded knowing that the comedians not have the same shared experiences or the same background that they do. Mm -hmm. So I've found that even though, uh, <clears throat> even though a comedian might make a joke that is sort of um, endorsing drinking or drugs, which is obviously not, not a great choice to make when you're doing those shows. Mm -hmm. Even when they do that, they tend to be pretty um, accommodating to the comedian mm -hmm. because they understand that the comedian may not have, you know, a, a, an addiction problem. So I, I don't think a comedian should make that joke because it's, you know, it's probably not the right time and place, but if they wanted to, then the the audience is pretty forgiving about it, don't you think? I mean, it's definitely one of the steps you practice is honesty, acceptance, willingness, forgiveness, you know, every day is how right. can we approach life with love and tolerance? I honestly am a firm believer. I say it all the time, especially when it comes to my family. Why can't everyone go through this fucking program? Then we, we would be such a beautiful world, you know? Um, I feel grateful that I have because I want to be a better human. And yes, it's it's just like appreciating comedy for the art that it is and knowing that we're in a world where everything, it just needs time, is going to become offensive at some point in time during our human experience. You and I don't have kids, but the next generation and the next generation for however long this planet's going to last. And it's truly um, like a time, I think, to be bold with your comedy and not retract. And I've never been a political comedian. I, I do only talk about religion as it pertains to me. Um, but, you know, there's been some things that have been pissing me off lately and, and it happened today. And I was just going to town in my uh, bitch book, as I call it, about like, do you have any thoughts about this Dr. Seuss thing? Um, like what else was happening? This whole deal about, I, I'm going there, transgenders, you know, uh, competing in female athletics. Like, I, I wanna know, I wanna get, cause I'm here by myself and I don't get to talk to people that often cause I'm alone. Right. Um, I, I'd be curious about the male perspective about some of these um, prominent issues and the headlines these last couple of days. You know, I got to read more about what's been going on with that. I've, I've only done that thing where you see the headlines and that's not enough, right? A lot of people read the headline and form an opinion. And I think that's a mistake when people do that. I think you have to actually read the full article and, sure. and preferably you're reading several articles from different sources and you're, you know, taking your time. 
Um, so I, I'm not even exactly sure what's going on with, with those two things, but I'm, um, I'm up to hear your opinion. What do you think? Well, it kind of just struck a chord. I, I have to go back and read all these Dr. Seuss books because, you know, there's certain ones that I do have a strong familiarity with and others that maybe I never got to. There's quite a few. There's a long list, but six of them have been this whole phenomenon of canceled culture have been canceled. Uh, I believe distribution, publication, sales of six of these books of Dr. Seuss's are no longer allowed to be sold. Um, and I, I just don't understand how all of a sudden this is something. Uh, and then the funny part about it is there was a black member of the House of Representatives that posted a tweet of, well, it wasn't racist when Michelle Obama had story time with Dr. Seuss with Furby life-size characters of Cat in the Hat and all this at the White House, you know, so why is it racist now? <laughs> like. It's yeah. just like, is it everything we do, you know, is going to be picked apart. That's why I think comedians have the most important job other than I guess the POTUS. It's, it's our job to. Right. To be like honest social commentators. You... I, I just like, I just feel like we're overcorrecting and we're going backwards and it's, it's out of control. And... Well, I hope, <laughs> I hope I'm not railing us, but I, I wanted to bring up kind of a tangential point. Um, how do you feel? I was talking to um, some part of the suicide awareness community. How do you feel about people who have some personal trauma and they come, come to a comedy show and they get hurt or offended by the comedian who is about that trauma? For example, uh, this and that's part of the suicide awareness community. I'm, I'm close to a lot of people in that community. You were discussing what do you do? How do you navigate a comedy show if you're part of that community and a comedian makes a joke about suicide, mm -hmm. especially if it's a show that maybe is a suicide awareness event? How do you navigate that? What would you do, Lauren? If we're producing a show with and it was for a suicide awareness event. Would you tell those comics explicitly? Don't make about it. I don't care, you know, how funny or good it is. Just don't do it. Or would you just let it rip? Oh, God. It's a good question, huh? It's a great. It's a great because um, me and me and this this woman who is my friend, she she claimed that she tries to just go to these shows that might happen that there might be a joke about suicide. There's nothing she can do to stop it. Mm -hmm. And that if she's triggered, she has to either leave the room or she has to hope that whoever she's with and maybe even bring some of her who kind of is there for moral support and knows that she might be triggered. Well, I guess it would first and foremost, whoever's producing it, would it be a clean show? Then I don't, I think maybe it would be off limits, but I, I won't know. I think until I'm in that position, um, you know, I, I don't personally have any jokes about suicide. I know I'll loosely say I want to kill myself today, but I probably would be very tuned in to whatever the audience's reaction would be if a bomb like that was dropped and it fell on dead ear and it was just crickets. Um, I don't think like say for a suicide show, if that was who we were partnered with, 
of with that organization. Like I'd book, say like a Tony Hinchcliffe, you know, um, I'd probably stay away from my bolder comedians, just have a little more control of the lineup. Um, but I don't know if I'd per se tell people it's off limits. I don't know. I don't think so. It's hard. I know because nobody ever wants to tell comedians joke about actor. Don't do a particular joke. That's, that's a hard thing to tell, you know, to, to tell an artist and a performer. We uh, think about make disclaimer at the beginning of, say you were hosting, mm -hmm. would you tell the audience, hey, listen, this is a suicide awareness event, but you have to understand some of the topics discussed up here might be dark. They might be edgy. They might be controversial. You just have to be aware that no comedian is trying to offend you or trying to upset you. Comedy sometimes is a contact sport and also comedy is sometimes improvisational. I mean, how many times have you done something on that literally just came out of your mouth? Two minutes later, you were like, why did I do that? No, that was stupid. That was not funny. That was dumb or my mom's here or whatever it was. Yeah, that can happen, Thanksgiving right? dinner table every year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, informally and formally, like those, those faux pas happen all the time, right? And when you're yeah. on stage, you can't walk it back when you're on stage. It's, it's, I think people forget that in the audience. At your show, the Elks Lodge, was it an Elks Lodge? Um, the, what, the Legion? American Legion, American Legion. At your show, actually one night, mm -hmm. there was a comic who said, offended a woman in the audience and he, sort of got a little bit defiant throughout the rest of his set. And I felt like telling her, it is too late. He's in the middle of his set. He has to finish his set. He can't engage you in a debate about moral rights and wrongs and ethics, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. it, you, you would have to have that discussion after the show. Once a comedian's in their set, it's like a race car driver, you know, making a loop. It, it, that's it. They have to finish the loop. They can't stop. They're on a racetrack going 200 miles an hour. Yeah. If they stop, then, then people are going to hit them from behind. You know, there's going to be all kinds of problems. Disqualified. Right. There's, there's no backing up on the straightaway. Exactly. So, um, anyway, I, I, Who, what, do you remember the bit? What, what, what was triggering? What was the bit about? Was it about rape? I don't remember, but it was it was something that um, you know was sort of a, a, a typical kind of politically incorrect thing. Like he said something that is that is quote not politically incorrect nowadays, which of course is so much of comedy, right? Comedy trades in those areas all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and um, anyway, I was just I was just reminded that people don't again have have a common sense feel for what it's like when the comedian is in the middle of their set and, and they have to just finish the set. And not only that, they have to finish the set with what the material they have. The, the comedian's not gonna write a new half hour while you're sitting there, <laughs> right? They, they maybe afterwards they're gonna go home and go, oh, you know what? I actually should rewrite about 10 minutes of that because that really was a train wreck. They're not gonna do it right then and there. They're gonna do whatever they've been doing that's been working for them or frankly, whatever they can think of because now they might be off because you might have derailed them by interrupting them. Mm, yep. Record your shit, y'all. If you're a comic, record it and Vince Lombardi that stuff later. Go buy it. Go play by play. What works, mm -hmm. what doesn't. Count your laughs per minute. You got to watch yourself. 
um, to get better and you have to bomb to get better. And yeah, yeah it's interesting. Yeah, it's that's, like <laughs> that's such a hard, that's such a hard um, pill to swallow, but it's so true. You know, when you eat it, you just like, it's such a great wake up call and you just get to go, man, you know, there's a lot of bits I could make tighter here. And then you, then you remember, then you're suddenly reminded, you're like, oh, you know what? Maybe those eight shows I did in a row actually were just absurdly easy. And I thought all these bits were ready and they're not ready at all. You know how you have a string of shows where it's just like every audience is just like jumping out of their chair and they're just laughing and going crazy. And you think it's because you're good. And you're like, no, actually they're good. No, they're so good that these people fooled me into thinking I had something I don't. Yeah. That's what Bob Murphy said to me after the re recovery show last year. He said, don't get used to this kid. They're not always going to be like this. And I said, trust me, Bob, I know. I, I've done shows with you. There weren't anything close to this. Like, you remember being there? We were there together. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of what's cool about comedy in a way is there's such a wide range of shows in terms of the quality and the atmosphere that you really, really do get to have every experience and you get to put your jokes to the test a lot. Mm, yeah. Right? And that doesn't mean bad shows are always a good barometer because sometimes they're not, right? Sometimes they're just, they're just awful and that's the way they are and you just have to survive them. But sometimes they're a good wake-up call for, for your bits. What's been your most, if, if you were to just blurt it out, what comes to mind immediately, the, the worst time you tanked? Just oh, I mean, you know, I've had so many. I mean, I mean, it's, it's been unbelievable how many. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of ones that were, I mean, I've definitely done a few uh, corporate gigs where, where it's like, I thought they were going to be easy and they were the kind where you just had to be super, super polished. You just had to like have that steadfast, grounded, you know, kind of old school polish as if you're like a Vegas performer mm. and just nothing affects you. And you, and you have to do, a, usually you don't have to do a long set at a corporate gig, but I think there were a couple where I was doing like close to an hour and you just kind of strap in and you go, this is it. This, and you know, and you know, you know, within the first two to three minutes, you know, you're like, this is going to be one of those shows. Oh. And the worst is when you thought for some reason it was going to be easy, which is stupid in a corporate gig because a corporate gig, you never know. You have no, I've learned that you do not know. It could be easy. It could be absolutely brutal. So you have to just sort of expect the worst. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, obviously there's tons of nights of comedy clubs where, where it was like, for whatever reason, it was going to be impossible. Although that's different when you're at a comedy club because you could see the comics in front of you. And so you see in front of you, you're like, oh my, my goodness, this crowd is absolute zombies. And so you kind of, you often don't have an opening act. So you, you're going up there with like a clean. And again, it's that weird thing you have two minutes in where you're like, those two jokes didn't work. There is no turning this around. That is, <laughs> this is it. And, and then sometimes, as you know, that doesn't mean they didn't have fun. You still get that thing where after the show, they come up to you and they're like, that was so amazing. Thank you so much. And it just, you know, it wasn't the right mood or the right atmosphere for them to really like verbalize the laughs. They're just kind of sitting there. 
Um, the other guys were like, we voted, we wanted a casino night. We didn't want a comedian. We were on Sometimes it's that. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's that. Sometimes it's that they've been there for a super long time. You know, they've been there for like three hours and you're the last thing. And no. they're, just, they're just done. They just, they don't want to be there anymore. Um, and, uh, you know, that's why comedy should always go like near the beginning. Right, when There's, they're sitting yeah. down to dinner. If it's like yeah. a deal, yeah. As soon as they're sitting down, maybe just after the salad, someone comes but, up, presents the award, and then let's have some fun with this, and then y'all can dance and drink all night with the open bar. But yeah, right, got to be positioned in time, just right. Yeah, if you talk to some some um, other people that have done a lot of these gigs, some of them will say that they flat out don't allow uh comedy if they're performing they will not do comedy say after an award show they they actually tell the 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 corporate people they say no i go on before the award show or i don't go on you know and it's pretty it's pretty rock and roll when they'll just go then i won't do the gig it doesn't matter what you pay me that is the only way this gig is going to work and you know to a degree they're right that's how it works you if you go on before the award show and not two hours later you are going to be funnier and the crowd is going to enjoy you more. Right. The human attention span, it's getting worse and worse. It's, yeah, it's just not, it, it, they, they don't have the, nobody has the bandwidth for that, especially because the award show often is often its own little comedy set, right? It's a bunch of inside jokes where everyone's like, ah, you know, Kevin, <laughs> we, we, we knew he was gonna get the sales because he's that, that guy drinks six Red Bulls a day. And so it's like, almost like they're doing a comedy show and you're kind of like, I should just open for you. Let me open for the award show. Kevin, yeah, tell us all these things. And how funny would it be for a comedian to point them out? Give me the inside jokes about, yeah, uh, Paul, who's always replying all on accident to all the emails, like a jackass. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, sometimes um, sometimes that can save your set at a corporate gig. You, you watch the award show, then you make a bunch of jokes about what just happened, you know, that, that definitely can, can be it. And that's a skill that some, you know, some comics really thrive at. They're just amazing at making like 23 observations as things are going on. And it's like, wow, you just wrote your whole set with all those observations. That was incredible. And then your real material is just on reserve. and you It's on reserve and it's it. like not as funny. And you're kind of like, wait a minute. So these jokes for 20 years I've worked on are not as good as the five minutes that I did in my head while standing in the back. Oh, that's refreshing. Well, that's what makes that's you comforting. a great comedian, which I know you to be is because, yeah, you just can harbor your old stuff and use it as needed. Um, I, I'm striving to get to that point, working on my call-its and my riffing and especially with hosting helps so much with that. Hosting has made me a better listener too. Um, I feel out of practice with it because it's been a year, but you're managing so much with timing and introducing and lighting and if yeah, there intro was intro music, I mean, it's... There was a great comic that told me a long time ago, he said, you know what makes a great headliner is a great host. Mm. So if you work on becoming a better host, you will become a better headliner. Oh, I um, and I, I want to start hosting, you know? I feel like hosting is a great way to uh, do what you said, to sort of go back to the basics. And, um, you know, you can slip in a few more new jokes. You can do that thing where you slip in a couple jokes between comics as long as you do it efficiently. 
it's it, it is an underrated um it's an underrated activity in comedy for sure mm. yeah i sort of fell into it um that that was a mic night that we met at because gosh you bet i was the first person there because there's a scarcity for comedy where we live in north county so yeah when I saw the opportunity and I met lovely Brittany and saw like, that's who I'd be working with. And she, at the time I was still working in real estate and I found out she was a realtor and I said, Oh, let's break free of real estate and let's have some fun here. Um, but I'm probably going to joke about it a lot uh, just because it's a healing process for me with all the resentments I have against this business. Uh, so she just gave me free reign and I was just chatting with her today actually. And Boomer, you know, Boomer over there, the wing guy that's always dicking around in the kitchen. Um, he, yeah, they're excited to start things up. I guess that we have to wait until things are in red tier. I didn't even know we were still doing the color coding. Okay. Thing. Okay. So, so what, yeah, code red sounds bad. That's, isn't that a bad thing? Isn't that, isn't that from uh, a few good men? No, code red, we don't want. Well, purple is the bad color, right? Purple okay, tier purple. was the bad one. I don't know. Yeah, purple's purple's usually a bad color. That usually means it's a bruise. So that makes purple sense. Purple is the color of royalty. Right. I think of Prince. It's okay. it's a royal color. I don't know why they chose purple. Right. I heard purple about this whole celebration. Yeah, I heard about this whole color tier system when I was in Mexico. So it didn't really apply right. to me. Right. Um, I love your I, I love your um your wealthy white suburban lady thing where when things get difficult, you go to Mexico. Yeah. I like that. I'm you just you flee over the border and just like sit in a hammock and do uh, yoga on a cliff. Okay, and we, need do, to, um, we need to clarify. We need to clarify okay. that I could not afford my rent in the gas lamp in downtown San Diego anymore because I was living I in affordable housing and I lost okay. my job and my lease was up. What was coming to a close. I had to chop it off a month early to say like, I can't pay this anymore. And the opportunity to come down to Mexico and earn my keep by way of manual labor. I was okay. like, give me a hoe, fine. Give me, I was welding fences. I was painting. I was. You were welding? Yeah. How did you not do a, God, this is such an old reference. How did you not do a flash dance reference if you were welding, right? Doesn't, doesn't weld, but then in her spare time, she dances. I'm actually, I don't even remember the original movie, but. That's it. You um, nailed it. That's where she meets. Okay. Dream Man. It's like a famous scene. Yeah. She's like this, 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 this tough. Uh, female welder that's also a dancer that 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 was ripe for parody I cannot believe not get two or three videos out of your social media yet. you know doll wi-fi connectivity was piss poor so I, okay. I I used it as a time as much as I could to not be okay. you could have started with that because then I would have appreciated how hardcore you were not forget the manual labor you should have said I didn't have good wi-fi I didn't then I, I would have been like wow you are you are tough you are serious, you are, that's more impressive than like lifting objects and stuff. You had to go without reliable internet. Well, I had been living with a Ukrainian family while I went, you know, I endeavored to uh, better my Spanish. While my okay. host could speak fluently, I really just heard a Ukrainian telenovela going off all day long. Okay. And I never quite got attuned other than the body language of, I think I know what they're talking about. I think I know what's happening here. They're like stupid white girl. She's so incapable. What is she like good for? It's already fine. You know, it's expected to do the dishes and feed the dogs and cook. Like what else can she do? 
And so I had to really prove myself, you know, since I wasn't paying rent down there right. to, to right. Well, my you, board. It sounds like you did it. And it's, that's, that's definitely, uh, um, that's impressive, honestly. Exhausting, you, exhausting. I would be up in the morning at six. I'm already exhausted. I don't even, just, you just saying I'd be up in the morning is already exhausting. <laughs> You didn't even have to follow it by telling me activities. I was going to bed by two. I was literally yeah. so tanked because I would get up with the sun in Mexico. You kind of get on this like Mexican time situation. Right. And, and right. You, you're amidst the flora and the fauna of rattlesnakes and scorpions and coyotes. And they're just outside your door and you got to watch your step, bro. But I would be ready to go to bed right after dinner. And I'd be fine with that. And I yeah. thought, okay, I've been here like, over two months now what is it how long does it take to make a habit is it 60 or 90 days and I'm thinking I kind of hope I hang on to this um because I used to I always keep really weird late hours and I get up in three in the morning and I'm wide awake and then I'm walking around the day like a zombie I'm, I'm so strange when it comes to sleep and I didn't it didn't stick like it yeah. didn't stick I still get up early yeah um, my favorite I, I like years. I like how you, uh, you know, that, I, you know, my, me and my sleeping stuff, because you, you know, my bit about waking up uh, late because I go to bed late and you're, you're, you're so funny. Like a lot of the people that know that bit of mine, you totally apply it to me anytime that we talk. So when you arrange this podcast, you like, correct, you go, how about, how about four o'clock, Andrew? Is that okay? Are you, are, will you be up then? Will you be awake? Can you make it? Um, yeah, a lot, of people do that. a lot of people do that. They're like, hey, Andrew, let's go. You want to get lunch? And they're like, okay, no, no, Andrew. I mean, like a late lunch, like late lunch. Not like, do you want to get lunch, Andrew, at one? Not, not, a, not an 11. I'm not crazy. Um, so I appreciate people handling me and my sleep times with kid gloves there. It's safe um, time, honey. I, I absolutely right. do. Mad respect. It's probably just safe to just go ahead and shoot for dinner with you. Right, right. Just so people know, <laughs> I, it is it is possible for me to make it somewhere in the morning. It's possible. So if 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 it has to be done, I can do it. I don't prefer it. I don't well, prefer. I'm just letting you know that you know. I don't prefer it. I'm gonna have to have like like soda or you're going to have to like bribe me with caffeine and, and sugar or something. If you want me to be somewhere early. Are you sure you're um, not in recovery? <laughs> I, am combination? I, know. I know recovery people have like bags of Skittles. Oh my and, God. Uh, like yes. Dunkin Donuts and stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm getting I better with to, that. I know we don't have much time left. I did want to uh, mention another show that I'll be doing sometime in 2021. That's important to me. Please do. It's a, it's a fundraiser for survivors of suicide loss, which is a San Diego organization. And um, they're really amazing. And what they do is provide support to people who have um, survived a loved one who's died by suicide. And um, <clears throat> I've learned a lot of great things from them, including when one person dies by suicide, it can affect up to 151 people. That's what a study showed. 151 people are affected by that one person's suicide. And those people are now at a higher risk of drugs or alcohol problems, mental health issues, or suicide. Right. So those people need a lot of support too. That's one of the purposes of, of this organization. And of course, it's also to spread awareness about suicide because a lot of people still have so many misconceptions about it, right? Including that 
people die by suicide, but it was without warning. It was out of the blue. You know, what, what happened? Why? He, he or she seemed fine. And that's, that's, that's not true, right? It's people often give many, many warning signs. And that's why we need to pay attention to those warning signs and intervene and, you know, try to help and listen to those people. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And, and it's also a misconception that people who want to die will find a way that you can't stop them. They're, they're determined and they're going to make it happen. And that's not true. Most suicidal people are highly unsure about suicide. They're highly uncertain. Um, they're often torn between thinking they want to die and, and wanting to stiff. So that's another reason to, to intervene and not be passive. Um, and by the way, this, this is probably a good time to say that, um, you know, uh, survivors of suicide loss has a call in helpline. So um, anybody who wants that call in helpline, it's on their website, which is soslsd.org. That just stands for survivors of suicide loss and as in San Diego.org. Um, and there's also a, uh, a crisis number. I won't bother giving it because I'm, I'm sure people aren't taking notes on the podcast, but there is yeah, a, an access and crisis line, probably no matter where you live, there's probably a 24-7 access and crisis line. So make sure you have that you know, in your phone or, or on you, and you know that's always available if you are in a crisis or, or, or a loved one, of course. That's so helpful. My goodness. Yes. I will put all that information in the show notes, folks. Oh, uh, thank you. Where, where can, where can uh, the people find you, my dear? So people could find me on, on Instagram. Um, I abandoned Facebook long ago. It's, uh, you know, it's too much. It's, it's too many checking of too many accounts and it's too many people on Facebook. Remember when Facebook was sort of fun and light in the beginning and it was like, oh, hey, there's the person I went to college with. And sure. Oh, hey, how funny my uncle's on here and he doesn't even know how to post a picture, you know, and now it's become super intense and it's heavily political. And so now Instagram is more the lighter, a little more fun, a little bit more like here's a picture of my dog. So now I'm just on Instagram and that's where you can get me. It's Andrew Norelli or it's under tonight's comedian spelled just like it sounds tonight's comedian. Um, and, uh, you know, because most people don't, don't, a lot of people don't remember your name. So if you have a good handle, you have a good handle for yours, right? You dig? You, yeah, I love your handle. It's great. And, uh, um, you know, Joe Sib does a great thing. Joe Sib's a comedian. When he's on stage, and every comedian should do this, he has a huge graphic behind him that just has his name. And it has his social media handle. So you don't even, ever have to wonder you know, why would you remember the person's name when they were introduced for one second and then you watch them do for how, why, how would you remember their name? No, so he's just got giant letters Literal. right behind him. Yeah, yes. it's so it's so simple and it's so genius. He's got an anyway. easy name though. I just talked to him today. That's so funny you mentioned, mentioned him because they oh, were yeah. on the well, last lineup uh, last March that I hope to reschedule as that was already booked but didn't happen awesome. on St. Patty's last year so just gotcha. checking everyone's pulse and Joseph was on that lineup yep was meant to be. that's great well, he's so funny and he's so, so cool. funny and um I will definitely drop in when you have him on your show 
Yes, it's hopefully going to be uh, next month, y'all, at American Legion, if you're a San Diego local in Encinitas in North County. Um, it is a members-only club to veterans, but it is open to the public when it comes to the comedy show. So uh, very excited to resurrect that and just say thank you to Andrew. Uh, I'm so excited to work with you later this year. I know we don't have dates yet, but I look forward to whenever these things will transpire and just keep the faith like yeah uh, anybody out there just let us know either me or lauren social media let us know if you're interested in that show for the first step recovery house uh which again is a home for people that are beginning their sobriety journey and it'll be in cardiff so if you live anywhere near cardiff cardiff just let us know and we'll you know we'll put you on sort of a little list to remind you when we have the details beautiful Yuckaholics, are we still calling it that? No, that's no, that's a trademark name. That's that's uh that's a trademark name from Bob. So we're we'll call it, you know, we'll just we'll call it something else or we'll just call it the the fundraiser for the, the recovery house. Oh, the, we gotta do better. Than that, step. Right. I'll let you do that. You're the marketing genius. Oh yeah, I love this stuff. You're 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 handling all of the the complex. My marketing's terrible. My marketing consists of me texting people 24 hours before the show saying like, hey, come on by tomorrow night. Um, if you can't, later. That's, well, that's, that's how, how it works it. though. You're best to post a flyer the, the day of, because people are like, yeah. oh, I didn't right. plan anything. That sounds good. You're, you're right. And actually I'm glad that I think it's funny when bookers and producers like want you to promote these things, you know, six months out. I just want to say to them, no, well, no one will even think of if this show in August and in March. People don't even consider going to a show. It's like in the month you're talking about it. Right. Or within a month. That's when they'll even think about it. Yeah, we're not planning a wedding, y'all. Right, exactly, yeah. Or a bar mitzvah. They don't yep. start six months in advance. Uh, well, darling, thanks for all that information about... Um, the suicide awareness. Yes, I'm going to definitely put all that info in the show notes. And uh, it was just such a pleasure to have you on here. And I look forward to seeing you in real life very soon. Thanks so much for having me. I look yep. forward to seeing you soon. Appreciate your fierce sweat and your biting intelligence. As oh, well. yeah. No, today, <laughs> like I said, I don't think it's, I think it's like, like tentative wit, tentative wit. And it's, um, you know, um, um, chewy, chewy, uh, intelligence not, not intelligence okay With, yeah. without the gluten though for right for exactly san diego folks uh y'all this has been andrew norelli on wake and cake today and i'm lauren jameson aka kosher barbie and uh, we'll see you next time thank you so much <laughs>